Welcome back to another episode of Call to Comeback podcast. I'm Thomas Blown. Unfortunately, Bob McGinnis couldn't join us today. So we have uh, Jimmy Cody um, to help me out, co-host here today. Uh, how you doing, Jimmy? Tom, I am good. I'm happy to be here talking some sports with you, uh, as always. Yeah, dude, a lot of happened uh, over the weekend in terms of uh, sports. Unfortunately, our Yankees got bounced in possibly the worst worst way I've seen the Yankees get bounced from a postseason. I mean, the absolute sweep in the ALCS, disgusting series for Yankees fans. I'm, I'm beyond disappointed, Jimmy. How did, how did you feel after that game four last night? Well, I would say that this was definitely the most disappointing series in a while. Um, the only other one that I can think of as disappointing was maybe the wild card when Jeter – or I'm sorry, the ALCS when Jeter got hurt. We got swept that year too. But at least there were some injuries to blame for that one. This one was just a complete colossal failure. Um, when it felt – whenever the pitching was on, the hitting wasn't. Um, whenever the hitting was there, it felt like the pitching wasn't. Or our coach ended up costing us the game with his poor decisions. So we were not good in any area, I felt like. And we certainly weren't good enough compared to the Astros. So, yeah, overall, a very disappointing series uh, series, and a disappointing end to the season as well. I mean, the storyline now becomes what's going to happen with Aaron Judge? What's going to happen with these other guys who are on the team? we got a lot of guys who, I'm going to be honest, Tom, there's no other way to say it. They just shouldn't be on the team next year. They're just not good enough for us. Not 100%. Agree with you. And honestly, before I even get to the roster, I want to talk about head coach and, and general manager because it starts up top. That's how you, how you win uh, championships. And Brian Cashman has got to go. Um, I'm tired of holding on to this guy uh, just because of what he's done for the Yankees in the, in the 90s, in the early 2000s with their World Series. That was mostly George Steinbrenner's doing. I mean, he took him on as kind of like his, his wingman. But it, it, the time's up for him. He had a great, great GM uh, career. He's out of touch, and he he doesn't clearly doesn't care about winning him and Hal Steinbrenner because we're out here paying Josh Don, picking up Donaldson's contract for twenty four million when he's atrocious at the plate, absolutely lost. These Yankee teams are lost at the plate every October in the postseason, and this is the seventh year we've seen it in the last eight seasons, and it's it's unacceptable from this organization because this is a winning organization and it's the best organization in sports, or supposedly it's supposed to be. And, and it hasn't been that. So I think Hal Steinbrenner needs to give the reins to a GM that's willing to win and spend money because uh, God knows they're in New York and we have all the money in the world. And they need to compete and bring in superstars like Bryce Harper on the market wasn't even offered a few years ago. And he wanted to be a Yankee, having one of the best postseasons of all time with Philly. Manny Machado was a free agent a couple years ago. Same year. Same year. Same year. Wasn't it 2019? Yes. Yeah, you lowballed him, and you're stuck with Donaldson, and, and look how your postseason ended. You didn't even win a game. And and this is the third team that got bounced by the Astros in the last five seasons, and we've had all different rosters, and it hasn't worked. And Houston has kind of had the same roster. They've replaced Correa with an even better guy in Jeremy Pena, which is almost impossible. Uh, they lost Springer. It didn't matter. I mean, they're, they're there every year. So whatever they're doing is working. And I think the big reason why is because they have limited strikeouts in that lineup. You don't strike out a lot. You're going to win games in the postseason. You put the ball in play. Good things happen. And they homer. So they're top in homers, bottom in strikeouts. That's a, a recipe for winning. And, and the Yankees need to, to learn how to follow that. Tom, I think the gap between the Astros and us has never been bigger um, since the, that seven-year span that you're alluding to. I like to call it the the new Yankee era, the post-Jeter era. Um, the judge era, hopefully, is what we're calling it. 
But you're right. I mean, all those things that you just said about guys like Josh Donaldson being lost at the plate and how, listen, we can say that, but how about our fielding too? I mean, I felt like our fielding the series was, and and it's been like this the whole season. I mean, you go out and get this guy, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and the truth is, is that he doesn't hit home runs at all. He had an okay average, but he really didn't hit much in the playoffs or the second half of the season all that great. And he was basically a liability at shortstop. And the biggest problem that I have with Brian Cashman is I feel like we do no justice to our young prospects who come up. We have Peraza who comes up. This kid hits 300 in his month in September. He isn't on the roster. And we don't end up playing him until the second or third game in the ALCS. And it's just ridiculous. It's I, I just don't understand. And, again, we can sit here because it's the same thing. We talked about it the last time I was on with Marinaccio and, and Schmidt uh, being sent down to the minors in the regular season and then Albert Abreu staying, who, by the way, was not even on the playoff roster. So I can't even tell you what the point of that was at the at that. Now there's basically no point in it whatsoever. And it's just decision after decision that you just, you just scratch your head. Um, especially when it comes to the GM, because the moves that we're making aren't actually improving us. In fact, I'm going to be honest. I think they're actually making us a little bit worse. I mean, you can make, you can make the valid argument for that. I mean, the, the Donaldson trade only made sense in the fact that you lost Gary Sanchez, which was a plus because he was atrocious defensively. And you picked up Trevino, who's one of the best uh, or probably the best fielding catcher in the league uh, this season. So that was the plus, but then you picked up a guy, Donaldson, who gave you negative production at the plate, and you're paying him a ridiculous amount of money. Bryce Harper is getting paid $26 million this year, and Josh Donaldson is getting paid $24 million. So you, you just have to do the math there and know how ridiculous that is. And it, it's been frustrating, but I, I don't know. How, if, if you don't change the GM, nothing's going to change. Like if, if, if Cashman's here next year and Boone's here next year, they're not going to spend money. They're not going to go after Correa. They're not going to go after Bogarts. They're not going to go after any of the big free agents because we have Volpe coming up. All right, great. We have Volpe coming up mid-season. What's that doing for me right now? Nothing. I don't. I, hold on, Tom. I, mid-season, I think, might be a stretch. I mean, this kid is a little bit on the younger side. I really wouldn't be surprised if he does not come up until September. You don't think he's going to come up until September? Tom, they do this every single time where they don't they bring do. these guys up. You know that. It's not – this isn't like the first case of this. Like this has happened time and a time again where we're waiting for these guys to come up. They're supposed to be superstars. I get that he closed the year in AAA, but I would – I mean, I, I I think midseason, unless there's like an injury or, I mean, the Yankees really reverse course from what they do, I, I wouldn't expect him to be up. I really don't. He's not yeah, someone I that I'm viewing for as a next-year player. Yeah, I don't understand why, but the Yankees have to have their guys play a specific amount of minor league games before they call them up, which is just insane. Because if a guy is hitting the ball well and he's clearly progressing well, you can put him up to look, the majors as soon as. Look at Soto, right? He jumped from Double A, and then he was one of the best hitters in the league instantaneously. I mean, he's part of the reason that the Nationals won that World Series that year because he just came up from Double A and he was electric. You know, why can't the Yankees do that once or twice? I mean, everybody, anybody who's anybody in baseball always says triple a is not what matters double a is where the talent is and where the where you find out if a guy can play or not and yeah. and triple a is more as a more as a placeholder right but the yankees don't seem to operate that way at all no they don't and i mean they have a guy in peraza who i think will get a great shot next year at, at short if 
mean, he should get the shot at short he next should, year. I'm he hoping, should. He should get he the should, shot. But I mean, it's like um, you have to get rid of ICAF and Donaldson and and believe like you have to make all these moves. And I just don't know if the Yankees are going to be willing to do that. You know what I mean? You know, uh, Tom, I, I feel like time and time again, these players, when they do come up for us, they play good. And then for whatever reason, we seem to find a way to stunt their growth. If Peraza is not a everyday starter next year, you will kiss this kid's career goodbye. He needs to play. If he's here, he needs to play. I agree. That's how, I mean, baseball, you can't have guys playing every other day because you that's exactly how you don't pick up your, pick up your swing. So I, I agree. I mean, he's got to play. Same with, I think, Oswaldo Cabrera has got to play next year, whether if it's in left at third third I he, needs to be play- he's, he should be playing third i no offense to the kids defense but there's just better outfielders out there in the mlb and if we're going to be an elite team that we want to be i like what we have in center hopefully we're keeping the, the the guy who's in right um and then we just need to kind of figure out left field i think it might be a little bit of a platoon situation based on what we have going into next year but Hey, I mean, what's stopping us from making a decent move for a left fielder? There's not that many outfielders available. That's really the only problem. But at the same time, th- that kid should be in the lineup every day. It's the same thing with Peraza as it is with Cabrera. Yeah, it is. And like you just said, left field, I mean, Ben Attendee's a free agent. So, I mean, I, I would want to bring him back. He's quick, he's good on the base pass. He's a good defender. And he puts the ball in play. That's exactly what we need. He just got hurt towards the end of the year. We didn't get well, to see him in the postseason. I mean, I get that Ben Attendee was an all-star and he hit over 300 and whatnot, but let's face the facts. He wasn't that great in a Yankee uniform. He started off very, he started off very cold. And I was, I was one of the people who was saying this guy is just not performing. And everybody's like, give him a chance, give him a chance, give him a chance. By the time it was ready to, you know, for him to do something and everybody else was waiting for him, then he got hurt. Yeah, He didn't really prove anything to me. I'm sorry. I I don't look at that. I mean, we didn't give up that much in the trade, but. I don't look at that trade and be like, wow, what a huge success. No, I know. It's, yeah, I mean, it's tough because you got a guy in, he's playing in Kansas City. It's a lot different than playing in New York. So, I, I mean, I get that. He struggled and right away. So, no offense to the kid. Like, I think he might be, he's a decent player. Like, we saw him perform against us for the Red Sox for how many years, right? I mean, yeah, he, no, he's, he, he puts the bat in the ball, which is what, what you want to see in your lineup. But I don't know. That's, I mean, the Yankees have a lot of, a lot of positions to address, a lot of things to go, uh, got to see what they're going to do this offseason because you have Rizzo who's probably going to opt out of his contract. Uh, like we just said, decisions have to be made on Donaldson. I don't know how you, you stick him back at third next year in New York. Uh, same with IKF. Um, ju- judges, we haven't even talked about Judge, and he's the, probably the biggest guy that you need to resign this year coming off an MVP he, year. Tom, listen, so we know what happens if we do resign, and we got to make a lot of moves. But it's a fair question because you just have to ask it. If he goes and let's say – he goes to another team. I'm not even going to throw teams out there. Let's just say he is not a Yankee next year. He's playing for another team. Where does the team go from here? Like, I, I honestly don't I, – I don't know. Like, I think you kind of got to trade everyone and kind of just reset with the young players that we have again and be like, all right, this rebuild, you know, the farthest we could get was a couple ALCSs and that was it. We weren't good enough. Time to build something new. Yeah, I mean, if if judges are resigned, I think you're going to see a lot of backlash from the fan base. I mean, that that guy's the the biggest reason why tickets were being sold this year. I mean, it's Absolutely. obviously the Yankees, but I mean, that's that's like your main guy. That's the guy you build around. So it's tough. I wouldn't give him more than seven years though, because he's already he's going to be thirty. What is he? Thirty one right now. Yeah. What is a reasonable contract? Do you think like a per year amount? I mean, to be honest with you, I think it's going to take at least forty five million a year. Yeah, I was gonna say between forty-five and fifty mil is probably what he's gonna 
want and what he deserves after the year he just had, even though his postseason wasn't great, but I'm not going to put that on him because the whole nobody was nobody just, was great. Nobody was great. Exactly. Maybe Bader. Exactly. Bader was the only guy I thought that really I was surprised by. I was happy with his play. Besides that, no, I love, love Bader. I was not happy with a, with most of our team. No, I wasn't either. Yankees have a lot of questions to address, so we'll check in with that later uh, in a few weeks. Hopefully, um, how Steinbrenner wakes up and figures maybe he wants to win a championship for New York. So we'll see. But uh, moving on to the World Series matchup, we got Astros and Phillies. Um, I believe game one is Friday. I mean, that's going to be a great series. The Astros, I mean, they're, they're back again. They just find a way every year. Uh, their roster is great. Um, and the Phillies, I mean, no one expected the Phillies to get here. This lineup, uh, when it was built in the offseason, when they signed Castellanos and Schwarber, um, we knew that they had a legit lineup, but they just looked like a clown show in the field in the regular season. And the pitching was outside of Nolan and Wheeler. There were, there were some question marks, but this team has gotten hot at the right time. That's exactly what October baseball is all about. And, I mean, I, I'm leaning towards Phillies in this series, honestly. I think Harper and Hoskins can really mash in that little uh, minimade ballpark, which the Yankees somehow weren't able to do. Um, so, and Verlander has not looked good in either of his uh, two postseason starts so far. So, I, I mean, I'm leaning Philly right now. Uh, what are your thoughts, Jimmy? Listen, I, I, as much as I want the Phillies to win, I feel like their style just plays right into the Astros' hands. Uh, they're very similar where they're a boomer bust kind of offense. Their bullpen is not great. Let's be honest. The bullpen is not great. The starting pitching, it's above average. The, after the first two, I think it really, really, really falls off. And mm -hmm. my question is who, who's going to pitch here? Like, they're going to have to get 27 outs every game. And okay, so Wheeler and Nola are best case going six or seven. I mean, their their bullpen besides that i mean listen I, I know that they have the one guy who's uh, dominguez who's found a way to kind of revive himself but i mean they they are they have to find a way to manage their bullpen better because i didn't even think that they managed it that well in this series um uh, bringing in brad hand um you know making some switches with the starting pitching too with uh, Cindergard and um I forget what the other starter who they had uh, in the game that they lost who, who started, but Ranger anyway, Suarez. No, no, no. It was after Suarez. But anyway, after that, besides the point. The point is, their pitching is going to have to be better because I don't know that their lineup is going to be able to hit to the point that it is. But here's the thing: if it does, the Astros more than likely are also going to be able to hit because the Phillies pitching just isn't as great as you know what the Astros what the Astros have. That's the truth. No, that's definitely true. I mean, obviously everyone's taking the Astros bullpen um, over the Phillies bullpen. And um, it's going to be. Which yeah, lineup do you like, think is better though? I mean, it's very tough on paper. I think like right now, I think you have to lean towards the Phillies, which is kind of crazy to say, but I, I, mean, don't, I, did, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I, I mean, from, top, from top to bottom, I don't know if I agree with that. I know that they're, 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 Definitely hitting a little bit better right now, but if you're talking to me who's scarier, I'm definitely going to take the the Astros. Only because, and I this is the one negative I have with the Phillies, they remind me a lot of the Yankees. They have a lot of guys who strike out or home run. They do. That's true. I mean, Altuve's not – I mean, they're going to need Altuve to wake up, though. He's not going to be able to go 0 for 20 the next – and then expect him to win. That, that If that happens, then props to them for Bible lineups. Um but Tom, they're doing that, and they still have not lost the game. Like that just goes to show you how complete a team they are. 
It's true. I think a lot of that was was on the fault of the Yankees, though, because when you can't get Martin Maldonado at the end of the lineup out and you can't get Chaz McCormick out, you you don't deserve to win a game in the series because those are eight, nine batters that have to be outs because once it flips to Altuve and Jordan and Guriel, you're, you're cooked at that point. So it's going to be a, a very good series. Um, I'm hoping the Phillies pull it out because no one wants to see another Astros World Series. I don't think anyone does, except maybe Mets fans. But um, we'll see. I mean, I'm kind of over baseball. I, I'm happy my Giants are six and one at least. I feel bad your football team's not doing too great. Because what are you gonna do? <laughs> it's not, it's <laughs> out of my hands. It brings us into our next subject. Yeah. yeah. Well. We'll, we'll open up with the Broncos-Jets game. We'll get it out of the way for you, Cody. I mean, it was a tough one yesterday. I, I watched it with Bob, so he's pretty, he's pretty amped up. Yeah, it was, I mean, the, going it was into the, the game, Jets Super Bowl yesterday. I mean, the Jets haven't been good in around like 12 years, so every game at this point is a Jets Super Bowl, for being yeah, honest. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it, you can't expect much when you have Brett Ripping starting a game for you. You need your, you need your defense to really step up, and the defense played – a hell of a game too, but the offense just, there wasn't much there. The Jets defense looked great this year, honestly. Listen, Tom, we can sit here and talk about the Jets defense and that's fine. I understand people <laughs> want to give them credit. They have, they have some nice players out there like sauce Gardner, even though he got away with a few penalties yesterday. I he's, getting the, he's getting the veteran treatment early. Yeah, he definitely has. Oh, he does I, look very good. Sertan, Sertan did not get that last year. I, that's a little ridiculous. Whatever. <laughs> moving, moving on to with the Broncos actual struggles. Their own struggles are the reason they're losing. Um, their play calling is horrendous, Tom. Uh, Hackett has to go either as the coach or the play caller. And honestly, I'm calling for Nathaniel Hackett to drop the play calling duties. Um, I've, I've, I've seen enough. I don't need to watch any more just Melvin Gordon handoffs in on, on third and like seven. I'm done with that. I don't need to see any first down chuck it down the field for something that's in double coverage anymore. And we, uh, there's just so many bad play calls that I just don't understand. Um, especially with the situation too. Like in the first half, we put up nine points with our backup running or backup quarterback. And I'm like, okay, all right. Like that's a little bit better than I expected. Cause I knew our defense would be able to keep them under 20 and they did, they kept them at 16. But what I said is, the, the defense is, or the offense is going to have to get to 20, right? Well, they were very, I thought they were, somewhat successful in the first half running the ball well do you know in the second half of the game we passed the ball at a two to one rate to running it despite it always being a one possession game really why? None of that. why 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 get away from the run this kid ripping through the ball 46 times 46 yeah, times Daniel Jones doesn't throw the ball 46 times. Lamar Jackson doesn't throw the ball 46 times. I bet I bet Patrick Mahomes doesn't throw the ball 46 times on most games. I mean, this is horrendous. And the yeah. best part is, is they ask Hackett, do you think you should give up the play calling duties? And honestly, he doesn't really think it's his fault. He's like, you know, I've taken a look at myself, and honestly, I don't really think I'm the problem. And honestly, I think that is just asinine to say because it is – so clear to me that no matter who the quarterback is, we have no chance of succeeding as long as this guy is a the play caller and more than likely be the coach. If, in a perfect Broncos world, I think you ship Hackett right out of the door, get him out of there, and I would promote the defensive coordinator, who's more than likely going to get a job because he's a McVay disciple. I would try and make him the head coach and see if there's some success there. Vance Joseph, right? No, no, no. It's a Jero Aviro or Aviro Ajero. Okay. Here's was he the Rams DC? 
so he was the rent he was with the Rams last year. Oh no, I'm sorry. His name is Ajiro Avero. So he yeah, so he was with the Rams last year. He was a part of that defense. He was a defensive coach for them. Obviously, I think McVay calls the plays though. So um he does. But yeah, so he didn't have this huge role. But I mean, it's clear and obvious that he knows what he's doing because we're doing a very good job on defense, and he might must have a better situation or better understanding of the situation than Hackett because there's no way Hackett could be so bad and this guy be so good. He must be sitting there thinking, wow, this guy is an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, play calling and coaching really matters in, in the NFL. It's, it's crazy how much you, you wouldn't think it matters that much, but it does matter a ton. And I agree that the play calling for Denver hasn't been good. Um, I think they need to target Jerry Judy more. Like this kid's out here making, he was making some good plays yesterday and you dra- you draft him in the first round. I think you just got to just keep using him. And you have Corlin Sutton too. So it's not like the Broncos don't have any weapons out here. It's No, Tom, Jer- no. Jerry Judy had, I think, thought one of his better games in a Broncos uniform yesterday. I actually was very happy with some of the catches he made. Seven catches for 96 yards. He was one of the very few. I will say him. And the offensive line were the two people who I thought really stepped up yesterday. But the coach, however, did not do us any favors, um, especially for that backup quarterback. I mean, you know, it's just so challenging to watch guys like Taylor Heineke come in and get a win over Green Bay and then watch Cooper Rush come in and get all these wins in a row. And then we have our backup quarterback, and we just decide we're going to throw the ball more than we do when we have Russ. And I just don't get it. I don't get it. It makes no. How does that make any sense? That's, uh, yeah. No, that's like the backwards way of doing it. I guess I, I didn't didn't work out for them, obviously. And I didn't really understand that they, they were targeting Sauce Gardner a lot, and it hasn't turned out well for teams that target Sauce Gardner a lot this year. So I don't know. I mean, maybe that was just their plan of attack. I'm really not sure. I, listen, I, I, agree with I don't that. hate that matchup there, especially because Sutton has three, four inches on him. I, I thought yesterday was Sutton's worst game. I, the idea – and he's went up against decent corners. I mean, he had no problem against J.C. Jackson last week. You know what I mean? He, he did fine against him. He did fine against the Colts. I mean, he had made some nice catches. I mean, Tariq Wollin covered him for the Seahawks. I know that was his first game, but he was successful that game too. And we went up against other good corners. Or the 49ers defense too. We, we had a good game against them. Like, we went yeah. up against these good teams, and we've been able to at least put up some – numbers in that area but yesterday was a total no-go for him he just was not it's some days you're gonna have a bad day is it yeah. sauce is it him is it coaching i don't know but it's definitely a mixture of, of all the above probably but yeah, um, I agree. yeah do, do they, are they expecting russell wilson back next week i mean he's it's it's hopefully trend the, the goal is to have him play um we already have some guys who will not be making the trip i know mike boone will not be making the trip because it looks like he hurt his leg so that's another loss in the running back room so we're gonna have to find um some talent there because i mean listen yeah. I, I at the end of the day this team has a lot of injuries and one of the things I find with injuries is you really see how good your GM is and your coaching because the GM either gets you depth or no depth. You need to see what your backups are made of because there's going to be injuries in the NFL. That's just the truth, um, especially on the O-line, especially on the defense. That's going to happen. And then when it comes to coaching, it's what you do with these guys who aren't your regular starters, who aren't you know, um, your better players. You know, you got to put them in six, uh, positions to succeed. And honestly, Nathaniel Hackett does not do that. And that's why, to me, he has to go. 
Yeah, no, he hasn't done that. And if it continues throughout the rest of the year, I mean, I don't think they should really wait on firing the guy. You don't well, want to delay after, the process. After anymore. this week is the bye, so I really don't understand what, what would be the point of waiting. Yeah, who do they have this week? Uh, Jacksonville in London. London, I mean, yeah, they got they got to win that game. Uh, Jacksonville, as we saw yesterday against the Giants, they're not a bad team at all. I mean, that was a good game. Um, I just want to talk about the Jets real quick. I mean, they, they have – we all know. Everyone loves to hear on the Jets. It's not a Jet fan because they're the team to the laughing stock. It's been the Giants and Jets the last few years. But, I mean, this don't team forget is, Don't forget us. We're laughing stock too. Broncos. Yeah, I mean, this Jets team, man, like from week one to now we're end of week seven, this team has just looked very good. They're playing sound football, especially on the, the defensive side of the ball. Uh, DJ Reed and Sauce look like fantastic one-two uh, punch at corner. Quinton Williams um, looks like he's going to get paid for the Jets. He looks great up front. And um, <clears throat> the only one thing I will say is, though, Zach Wilson hasn't looked amazing uh, throwing the football. He's he's done a great job of eluding sacks and getting away from pressure, but he doesn't. He's not mature enough yet. Mature enough yet to know when you just got to throw the ball away. He tries to make too much out of nothing sometimes, and it's not college. You can't do that against these professionals because you're going to turn the ball over. You know, Tom, Tom, I couldn't agree with you more. I thought there was quite a few times where he had some terrible throws that really almost cost the team the game. It's kind of lucky yeah. some of them weren't picked off. There was quite a few that I thought we should have had. Yeah, the one – well, that one that the Broncos uh, – so I'm not sure it was safety dropped that wild Simmons, pick, but it didn't – Simmons. Uh, well, Simmons. Yeah, they ended up not mattering, though, because the, the Jets got a, a penalty on that play anyways. But just like throws like that is what concerns me. It would concern me as a Jet fan uh, for Zach Wilson, although it's his, it's his second year in the league. Kid's still growing. So th- those mistakes are going to happen. Um, but they did catch two really bad blows uh, yesterday with Brees Hall tearing his ACL. Kid was looking like a front runner for off- offensive rookie of the year at running back. And Elijah Vera Tucker has been their best lineman by far this year. Um, is out for the season. I believe he tore, I think, the pectoral muscle. So those are two brutal blows for the Jets on offense. Um, but it's going to be next man up mentality. We're, we're, we're almost midway through the year here. So that's where you got to be like. I mean, it's the NFL. There's going to be injuries. You need guys to step up if you're going to want to win football games. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. I know the Jets, I believe they're playing at home against New England New England next week. Um, so they're sitting at five and two right now. I mean, it's crazy to talk about, but I mean, Jets are in, Jets got a shot at the playoffs, man. If they keep playing good football. So stop. We'll see Tom, what happens. Tom, Tom, no, nah, man, they got a, no, they no, got no, a no, shot. No, stop. There's so many better teams in the AFC. First of all, the Bengals are just getting hot and the, and them and the Ra- there's going to be two teams from the AFC North more than likely them and the Ravens are going to be there and first and stop. They're not even finished. They're, you could make the case that just are the worst team in their division right now. If they lose the Patriots, if they lose if, the Patriots, if they lose if, the Patriots, if, if, you can make a case they're the worst team yeah. in their division, despite their record. Despite their record. That's it. Yeah, and, they're playing, the and they claim twice in three games because they have a bye, too. That's true. But, I mean, in, in past years, I liked New England in that matchup. But right, I'm going to be honest with you. Right now, I think – I don't see why the Jets can't win next week at home against the Patriots. They, they, they don't even have – Mac Jones is even playing right now. Yeah, he's going to start tonight. He's expected to. He's going to play tonight. All right, we'll see how he looks against the Bears tonight. I mean, he hasn't impressed me much. 
listen, man. Zappy's you think, you think, like you think Bill's going to lose to the Jets, man? Come on. Come on. He's not, this is – there is no way, Tom. There is no way. This is the Jets we're talking about. And I get it. It's a good story. I have a better stat for you, though. Through their first six games, they have been over 500, six of the last 11 seasons. How many times have they made the playoffs? What do you think? The Jets? Zero. Really? Zero. They, the Jets, they find a way to screw this up every time, dude. I'm telling you, their offense is so bad, it's going to hold them back. The Brees Hall loss especially, I think, is just terrible. Yeah, I wouldn't say their offense is bad. I mean, they, they could they could run the football. They need to get their – obviously need to get their passing game going now that Hall is down. I mean, but Michael Carter, honestly, I don't see why he can't step into the RB1 role. And, I mean, I, I like him. Uh, he's not – he can't be an every-down back. He's, he's not he's, Brees, a, he's, a he's not as talented. No, no, no. He's not built like Brees Hall is at all. Um, he's more of a receiving back, but I do like that kid. And um, I don't know. I mean, we'll see this. The jet defense reminds me of the old jets um, where that they just, that defense has won them football games in the past. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I think they're going to be able to win football games with that defense. Spalone, let's be honest though. That I understand what you're talking about with the old, the old jets, but when was the, I mean, is defense really the focus of today's NFL? I mean, look who the last few Super Bowl champs are, right? I mean, I feel like everything's yeah, no, off, offense, offense, offense now. Like, it's just an offensive league. Like, I remember the days when teams like the Ravens and the 49ers were there on their on their defense, and teams like Seattle made it with their defense. I don't know if those I don't know if those days are still are with us. I'm going to be honest. I think to win in this league, it's awesome to have a great defense. But with that said, you're always going to have a game where you're giving up more than 20 points or 25 points, and you're going to need to score at some point. Yeah, no, there'll definitely be games like that, especially against top teams in the league like the Bills and the Chiefs, uh, for sure. But I mean, is this sustainable to sneak into the wild card with the extra spot this year? I, I don't see why not, honestly. Well, I mean, I, listen, to come back to in a few I, weeks. But. I think there's listen. I and listen with you would think that there's going to be two teams getting in from most divisions, right? Like you would think the Bills are definitely a lock to win their division. Like that's more than likely going to happen. You would yeah. think the Ravens and Bengals are both kind of contenders for the playoffs. You would mm -hmm. think the Chiefs, the Chargers, and I wouldn't count out the Raiders because I still think they're going to really turn their season around. I'm going to be honest. I know I, they're far more talented team than the Jets are, and I would not count. I'm going to be honest. I don't think I don't think the Jets are going to finish lower than the the Chargers or the Raiders. I don't. The Chargers don't. The Chargers are poorly coached. They might have all the talent in the world. They are. Brandon Staley's done a poor job in L.A. Um, and they just lost J.C. Jackson, I believe, for the year. Yesterday. Oh, well, they benched him last week, so there's no concern there. Yeah, he, that's just a br brutal signing. I mean, you can't predict injury, but he's he was terrible before the injury, so that, that really stinks so for them. It, so, I, I mean, it's it's a loss on paper, but it might not be a loss, actually. Yeah, no, the way that, that he's been playing this year probably isn't too much of a loss. But um, I know you said the, Ra the Raiders on paper are great, but Derek Carr is just like, He's not winning football games, and that defense is is atrocious. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. The AFC's definitely got more contenders than the NFC. We know that. Yeah. So it's definitely it's definitely a tough early. And listen, like I said, I I fear the 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 Dolphins' offense. Like I think that that offense is yeah. pretty solid. They didn't play great yesterday, but in the long run, I that is an offense that I like. I mean, I was blown away at the game they played against the Bills. Yeah. No, Tyreek and Waddle get creates so much space for Tua to throw the football. And their line looked really good last night. Mostert had a good game on the ground. So I, I agree that offense and their defense is pretty solid too. So I, I do like Miami a lot as well. I think that's it's going to come down 
I think for the Jets, if they can hand, it's, they're going to have to beat out Miami. So we'll see. And obviously, New England, that division is just going to end up being tough. And so listen, you got the Titans there at four and two. They're more like they're in the front seat for that division, but there's still a lot of game, mm-hmm. games left. What's stopping the team from the Colts? They're making a quarterback switch now. What's make what's mm-hmm. stopping them from getting hot and get back in the race? You know what I mean? There's a lot of teams that can do that. Yeah, it's still early enough where teams can can get hot, and that's a good point. So the Colts today just named uh, Sam Ellinger their starter, uh, I believe, for the rest of the year. I know Matt Ryan got hurt, but I mean he wasn't playing great before the injury. And um, it's an interesting move. I mean, during the preseason, he looked really good, but we all know that really doesn't mean much because you're going against a bunch of backups on defense. But I kind of like the move here because the Colts have just played old veteran quarterbacks the last few years with Rivers and um, like Brissett and Pence and Ryan, and it's just been brutal for them. So they haven't been able to figure it out. I think they really need to – I don't think they have a first this year, but I think they really need to just draft a quarterback and be all in on – a quarterback for once instead of just going out and signing a, a veteran on, on a cheap deal. So we'll see Listen, what happens with it, Ellinger. It reminds me a lot of the Broncos. Can't find a quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's tough. I mean, this league, you need a good quarterback to win, and it's tough to find one if you can't draft well. So um, I think they should be in goes. on whatever the result is of the Jimmy G Trey Lance situation. If 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 they going forward decide they don't want Jimmy G anymore, I think that's I think that might be an option that Colts have to be in for, because I don't really know if there's any options besides that in the league right now. But I understand what you're saying about the draft situation, but it's going to be tough to take a quarterback late and then expect him to start. No, I definitely agree with that. Um, I know a guy I think that could be on the radar is Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. I mean, but his draft stock is just rising and rising. So, I mean, he could be a first round talent by the end of the college season. So it'll be interesting teams trade up. So we'll see what happens uh, with that. But yeah, the AFC, I'm really excited for this um, season to just keep on going because the AFC is just loaded. I want to see how that playoff picture ends up, but that'll, that'll bring us over to the NFC now. And um, I mean, my giants are just, are killing it right now. I mean, if you ask any giant fan before the season, uh, if they'd be six and one through seven games, I think they may have passed out if you asked them that question. Um, so th- that the win yesterday was, I almost had a heart attack once they got to the one yard line, but thank God they didn't get in the end zone. I mean, that would have just been a brutal, brutal loss because Barkley made a silly mistake of stepping out with 45 seconds to go in the game and Jacksonville had no tees left. But, um, you can't say enough about Dable and the Giants coaching staff. Um, yeah, he's a, he's, a fan, he's a fantastic coach. I think there's no doubt that he's the front runner for coach of the year right now. And definitely the guy who's in the spot behind him has to be Pete Carroll. So those are those guys are definitely one and two in my position or in my in my head. Uh, as far as Dayball goes, though, one of the things that I loved about what he did after the game yesterday was he was mad the way they played at the end of the game. That's great. All these other all these other coaches would just be like, oh, we're just happy we won. And this guy's actually upset. He's like, no, that was absolutely awful. And it's like, hey, at least he's holding the players accountable. You think Hackett's mm-hmm. doing that? And heck no. Nah. You, think, you think there's other guys doing that? No, no. You think Ron, no, Rivera, right. Ron Rivera saying that in Washington? No, no way. Yeah, no, you're right. He's trying to bring back the winning culture that once was with the Giants. So that's all you can really ask for. Um, I think a guy who needs to start getting more respect, man, is you know who Daniel Jones. Uh, he's 
he's playing his way towards a, a at least a franchise tag right now for next season. I a think franchise tag. Jimmy no. Cody. Jimmy Cody. We're gonna franchise tag Daniel Jones. No. I mean, Spolong. did you did you, did you see him play yesterday? Spawn, I, I understand he had a great game on the, on the uh, ground in addition to throwing for 200 yards, but he only had one touchdown pass. So, I mean, I mean it wasn't it, like he took over the game and was Mahomes out there. I mean, I think franchise tag is a little, is a little far. I do. I Listen, I mean, he's totally playing his, his way into more years, but a franchise tag for a quarterback is a lot of money, Spallone. Is Daniel Jones is, worth that much money? Don't make it yourself into Ryan Tannehill 2.0, where you commit all this money after one good season and then you're trapped. See, you I, don't want I, it to be that situation. You don't. I, I agree with you there, but I disagree. I mean, it's not a Tannehill situation. This kid is nobody thought Tannehill was a Tannehill situation the first time around. <laughs> yeah, but this Daniel Jones has a lot more intangibles than Ryan Tannehill does. This kid can throw the football deep down the field and he can use his legs. And we're Ryan seeing Tannehill runs all the time. He, yeah, I'm telling you, they're the, I honestly view them as the exact same quarterback. I really think they're very similar. Come on, Jones. Jones is he's one of the fastest QBs in the league when he's not tripping <laughs> over the turf. Uh, I know he's quick. I know he's clocked as one of the fastest quarterbacks in the league. Listen, you don't have to tell me that. I'm well aware. I remember him falling <laughs> on the turf. But I mean, I see a lot. Of, I see a lot of similarities. It's an offense that's carried by the ground game, right? That's, yeah, that's they're one. They're number one. They're number one in rushing right now. Right, right. So I, I think the biggest thing for the Giants is like, what's going to happen when the team really, really, really stops their run? Like when they go up against a great defense. What happens when they go up the next time they go up against the Cowboys? What happens the next time they go against the Eagles? Like these are the things that they have to plan for. And honestly, they're playing a good team this week, which I think they'll be still be able to run the ball against because that's not really what Seattle. Seattle's not great at stopping the run. They're they're. Mm-hmm. Okay, but the, the defense is by no means fantastic. Fantastic, they give up a lot of points. I'm more interested though for this week. If you want to talk about the Giants and Seahawks, how the Giants' uh, defense is going to do against that offense? Because honestly, I, they're they run it right down people's throats in Seattle. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think this is going to be a tough game uh, for the Giants. Um, yeah, Seattle's put up points this year, and Geno's been been one of the best QBs in the league, which is ridiculous. Re- revenge game. It's a revenge game. <laughs> yeah, the one side. Uh, yeah, Geno ruined Eli Manning's uh, starter streak. So, yeah, this is this this game is personal for both Giants and Geno, I'd say. But um, you yeah, guys tried, tried to write him off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't see him have much of a career in, in in blue, but I guess he's doing well now. So it's interesting. But, I mean, the Giants, I think, are coming in as three-point underdogs again, which is exactly where they want to be. I, I'm happy. They keep keep dogging them. They keep winning. So, um, we'll see what happens. But we got to stop. The Giants got to stop the run game for sure. Kenneth Walker looked really, really good yesterday against the – they played the Chargers yesterday, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they won that game. And, um, yeah, the Giants, the Giants' run D yesterday against Jacksonville was really not great. And I don't think that's much on the D-line. I think it was really the linebackers. We know the Giants have arguably the worst linebacking core in the league. And they just couldn't get to the holes where UTN was getting through. But um, the Giants just made big plays when they needed to. Like McKinney had that punch out at the five-yard line. UTN almost had a walk-in TD, but he got punched out. Giants got the fumble. That's that's a game-changer right there. And then um, just holding Jacksonville to three on a couple of drives – 
keeps your offense in the game. That's that's what the Giants have been doing this year. It's just keep it close, and then this, we're going to tire you out. And then in the third and fourth quarter, we're just going to run the ball right down your throat. And that there was just no answer for Barkley in the fourth quarter, or Jones for that matter, uh, by Jacksonville. And I saw a clip on Twitter that Dan Orlovsky was breaking down. The Giants ran the the run play called Power O eight times in a row on the last drive of their game in the fourth quarter. And Jacksonville could not stop it. When was the last time you've seen in that? That's like high school stuff where where our guys are bigger than your guys and we're just going to run you over. You'd never see that in the National Football League. So, well, I mean, at the, just, same, at the same insane. time, not to be that guy, it's the Jaguars, not the uh, not the Bills. So, like, I would pump the brakes <laughs> on being able to run the same play eight times. It's not like the Jaguars yeah, yeah. Are, are some elite team. But at the same time, they're still very impressive. And that's a good sign for the Giants O-line because this was yeah. an O-line that I, it's fair to say you were a little concerned with coming into the year. Definitely a little concerned. I mean, the Giants O-line has been pretty atrocious if you look at the last five years. But I think that's that, yeah, that's one of the big things for the Giants' successes this year has been the O-line. And I think Jones, the reason why we're seeing some a lot better flashes from Jones is because he's had time to throw, and he looks good maneuvering that pocket now. He feels comfortable. Um, and Thomas has just been ridiculous. I, I think he maybe allowed one pressure yesterday. He hasn't allowed a sack all year. And Evan Neal has really come into his own ever since that uh, nightmare game against the Cowboys. So, I mean. If you had to pick one person who was most responsible for the Giants' success right now, who would you say that is? I think it has to be Dayball. It has to be Dayball. He came in and just completely switched everything. Yeah, I I would definitely say it's either Dayball or or the whole coaching staff as a whole. Kafka has been a really good play caller because Dayball's not even calling the plays. It's Mike Kafka uh, from the Chiefs. And defensive coordinator Wink Martindale has done a great job with his schemes. Um, so you can – there's a few guys. I mean, obviously you could say Dable. You could say Barkley. The last few games I'm leaning towards Daniel Jones because he's won us a few games, even though a lot of people don't want to admit it because we look at Jones' first few years in the league and they've been not much to, to look at. But Listen, you we'll know see. you know better than anybody that coaching makes a difference in this league. You can see it now with Daniel Jones. He looks a heck of a lot better right now than he ever did under Pat Shermer. We know that. Yeah, it's all about or, coaching. Or, or Joe Judge. Or Joe Judge. Yeah, easily. It's all about coaching, play calling. We, we all know that. So, I mean, we'll see. We're seven games into the season. Um, I'm hoping the Giants can keep it up. Uh, they're right in the, the division race, obviously. Philly's going to be tough, though, because I, I don't see them really losing many games with that schedule. Same with Dallas. They got to beat Dallas head up next game. That's our only loss, though. So it's they usually have our number. So it's going to be tough. But um, I just want to touch on Kayvon Thibodeau real quick before we hop to. I want to talk a little Aaron Rodgers, maybe Tom Brady. I don't know what's going on with them. But uh, Thibodeau has been really good. I mean, you, you look at the numbers, and he's not really putting up any crazy numbers. He only has that one, I believe, that one sack, strip sack against Lamar, which won us the game last week. But if you look at inside the, the metric numbers, he had a 30% win rate at the at the line yesterday, which was fifth among all edges across uh, the whole league yesterday. So he's getting to he's getting good pressure on the quarterback and he's forcing the QB to throw the football away. So that's what you want to see, especially from a young guy like Kayvon Thibodeau. He's already maturing and, and week by week he's getting better. So it's exciting stuff. So we'll see what happens with them. Now I want to jump to Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. NFC right now is really it's it's in shambles. If you look outside the NFC East, um, what's going on with the Bucks and the Packers? What's going on with Brady and Rodgers? 
Listen, let's let's start with all these situations one at a time. The first thing I think with Rodgers is that they don't run the ball at all. Uh, that offense is so one-dimensional. I mean, yesterday they ran the ball, I think, maybe like 12 times. Uh, it was horrendous. They have no commitment to the run. Meanwhile, that's probably the best part of their offense with Anno, uh, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Um, and their receivers aren't good. Like, that's just the truth. They don't have good receivers, Green Bay. And – also, if you want to talk about Green Bay as a whole, what's wrong with their team, their defense isn't as good as last year either. They're not as good. They're not the same team. They, we knew that they were going to have to make moves because it was either, you know, keep Rodgers or try and keep the rest of the team intact, right? That was kind of the situation that they were faced with this offseason. They picked Rodgers, and now they're struggling because the rest of their team isn't up to par. They don't have guys like Devontae Adams anymore. And you know what? It's showing. Yeah, you need receivers um, in this league, obviously, if you're, if you're going to want to win football games. And like you just said, it's it really is showing now without no Adams. I mean, Romeo Dubs could be a, a good piece in the future, but he's obviously a rookie. He's developing. And I mean, Christian Watson has really been a disappointment so far uh, for them. Kid out of North Dakota State was supposed to be a pretty, pretty promising pick, but he's struggled so far. Uh, yeah, I think they need to start feeding Dylan and Jones more as well. I mean, those are your top two playmakers on offense. It should be one of the best one-two punches in football, but it, it hasn't been much uh, this year, I guess, because when you can't get the passing game going, you can't really get the run game going. So kind of goes hand in hand. I think, obviously, they'll pick it up. I mean, I'd be shocked to see the Packers and Bucks really not do much this year. I, Tom, I'm going to be honest. I don't, I don't know at this point if either team's going to really pick it up. They both have very tough schedules. Well, the Packers have a tougher schedule than the, than the Bucks do, but I don't know if you can guarantee that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I definitely more little, I'm definitely more confident in the Bucks just because they look at that division like Panthers, Falcons, Saints. I mean, if they don't win that division, that's a real disappointment uh, this year with Brady. Well, they should have lost to the Falcons. I mean, they got a gift of yeah. a call. They shouldn't be in first place right now. Yeah, they really should be sitting at what two and five, which is ridiculous to even say. Yeah, they should be. They should be. Yeah. So, yeah, I, but I mean. Packers, I think, are definitely in trouble for the division. I think they can definitely make the wild card, but I think the Vikings got a they got a good squad this year. And I think O'Connell's done a great job um, from the Rams. That offense looks great. Jefferson's having insane games. Their defense has played um, better than expected because they their defense isn't great, honestly, if you look at on paper. Um, and the Vikings already won one matchup there against the Packers. So I mean it's definitely getting scary for these teams in the NFC. I mean, it's wide open right now. On, I guess you're trying to just hurt my feelings some more about the Broncos because you know they picked Nathaniel Hackett over Kevin O'Connell, right? So that's kind yeah. of where at, where it's kind of where we're at right now. And and honestly, seeing the Vikings do well just it's just like ripping open another wound. Uh, just knowing that we could have had a coach who was actually somewhat competent compared to what we have now. But anyway, going back on on what what some of those. Uh, other teams are doing like the Bucks and the Packers. The Bucks, they're they're similar to the uh, Packers' offense because you know what? They haven't been committed to running the ball either, uh, and they haven't ran the ball good at all. Um, with that said, though, one of their biggest struggles, and I I truly think this is their biggest problem. This is why they're struggling. Their offensive line is not good. They had guys leaving free agency. They lost Jensen the injury, and then they had a retirement. And honestly, the only guy that's still there is Werfs, and he's okay. He's one guy. There's four other positions on the offensive line besides him, so they're not up to snuff. 
in those areas, and that is why they are failing because they cannot run the ball like they used to. They're asking a lot of Tom Brady, and listen, he might be able to complete the passes and get the yards, but at the end of the day, they're not getting the ball in the end zone. They're not doing what they do best. Brady's always had a rather okay offensive line, right, especially in New England. This is the first year that he's really had an awful O-line. Yeah, I'd rather okay line. I'd say he's probably had a top 10 to top 5 O-line almost every every year he's played yeah. in the league. So it's tough, Mr. Brady, when you don't have the top O-line anymore, isn't it? So we'll see. I mean, like I just said, the NFC is wide open. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. I want to see um, how the Eagles continue to look. Dallas, Giants, um, we said Packers, Bucks, and NFC West too. I mean, they got to pick it up. The Rams need to wake up. Cardinals Rams Niners are too. Rams yeah. and Niners are playing each other. Yeah, that's gonna be a big game. The Niners had a tough loss to the Chiefs uh, yesterday at home. I mean, that Chiefs offense doesn't look like it missed a beat without Tyree Kill. It's actually ridiculous. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster had a pretty good game yesterday, and I know Hardman had a few TDs. When you have Pat Mahomes at quarterback, I guess it really doesn't matter who you put out there. That no, kid is doesn't. just – he's unreal. He is unreal. I, I think he, he, he has definitely solidified himself as a, a tremendous quarterback. And watching him and Allen for the next, I mean, bunch of years is going to be very fun. Yeah. Well, not, not for me, but, you know, maybe for you because uh, you're in a different conference. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm trying to – savor the the moment as much as i can until the nfc gets loaded i guess eventually it'll, it'll be that way but um what are your thoughts uh jimmy before we wrap up here on uh can you give me a little prediction for afc championship nfc championship i know it's a little 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 early we're not at the halfway point yet but uh nfc i will or i'm sorry afc i'll go oof, i'll go Bengals and i'll go bills and i think the bills win wow. i think the bills are gonna make it to the super bowl as yeah. for the as for the A or the NFC, wow, that's tough. Listen, I would not be surprised if the Eagles get there, but I'm telling you right now, I do not think that team is good enough to win the Super Bowl. I don't like. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get there, but I, I just can't. I cannot find myself just wanting to pick that team. If you ask me, the team who I think is most complete in the in the NFC, I think, it, and I know you're gonna get mad when I say this answer. It's either the 49ers or the Cowboys. Those are the two teams I look at as the most complete. And honestly, yeah. I may just pick the Cowboys. Oh, I, I mean, the the Cowboys defense has been really good this year. And, and in the playoffs, you really really got to rely on defense. I mean, I know you said it's the league's kind of changed a little bit, but in the playoffs, you want you want a top defense. So and the Cowboys do have that. I just don't know if Dak Prescott is good enough to take them to that Tom, next step. Tom, man. Tom, Tom, whoa, whoa, whoa. You think Dak Prescott is the, the concern for them? I'm more concerned about their receivers. Besides no, Lamb, I think they're a little Dak, weak. No, Mr. Cody, Dak Prescott is not a winner. I'm sorry. He's, 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 he's a stats. winner against they're the Giants. Good. He's a winner against the NFC East, that's for sure. He is. No, he owns, that, he owns the division for sure. But when you look at playoffs and – NFC overall, I, th- I believe he has one playoff win in his career. I mean, th- they get to the playoffs almost every year and somehow choke it. So we'll see. I mean, this defense is great. Um, we'll see how that where that takes them for the for the Philadelphia Eagles. I will say their roster is superior to Cowboys easily. I really don't think there's much of it's. I don't really think it's close. Honestly, you look at their offense. It's I- Oh, they, dude, they have the best O line, the arguable best O line in the league. 
you would have AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Goddard. And their their offense is just so hard to stop because Hurts with all these RPOs, Hurts is either keeps it or throws it. And you can't stuff to stop both. Wasn't that hard for the Cowboys to stop? If they didn't have Cooper Rush, that was a different game. I I truly believe that the the Eagles yeah. let let the Cowboys walk right back into that game. And honestly, I'm sorry if they were to play that if the Eagles played that way against the Giants, they'd lose. That's the truth. Like I really am not that impressed with that team. They go off in one quarter every single game, and then they no show the rest of the game, especially on offense. And the fans are just okay with it, and they don't want to hear anything because you can't tell. Them, obviously, <laughs> when it's an undefeated team, there's nothing ever wrong with the team. But I'm sorry, like I, I really do get like a little bit of like I see some holes in the team that I think are definitely concerning. Do they run the ball good? Oh yeah, they run the ball really well. They got a great offensive line. I know that. But what's going to happen when a team really forces Jalen Hurts to pass, right? How is he going to do that? Yeah. Because honestly, sure. I'm sorry, last year's playoffs are like drilled into my mind because that was one of the worst quarterback performances I have ever seen out of a playoff like caliber quarterback. I mean, again, yeah. he was atrocious. He did not look good. And like, yeah, like you just said, once the playoffs come, your, your QB needs to show up there. And those are going to be some big games for Hurts. And I, I really don't know if he is ready to take – Philly to the next step on the playoffs. So we're going to have to see. Um, I'm really interested in Sirianni, though, uh, and how he's going to coach those big games because you look at the rest of their regular season, and I don't believe they play anyone the rest of the season that's that they're worse than, on paper at least. Um, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to see much from Sirianni during the regular season. So that's, that's kind of a bad thing, honestly, if I'm a Philly fan because we're not getting tested enough during the regular season. Once it comes playoff time, if we're, we're going to get a big test in either round one or round two, that could be an issue and they might not be ready for it. You know what I mean? What so happens if I they got to play, play like a Chiefs? What happens if they got to play a team like the 49ers earlier or in an early That's a round? tough matchup. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Very tough. That's going to be, yeah. They're, they're, they're a team that I, I, I know yesterday was a dumpster fire and they have not really played good as, as a team. But they're just starting to get healthy. I would listen if they win this game against the Rams again, and they beat the Rams twice. I really would say that they're the front runner in that division. I, I don't know. I like their roster. I, I like their roster a lot. I think they're they're definitely in a, not a great place right now. But I would watch out for them because I definitely think that they have the talent and the ability. The only concern I do have though is their coaching. I don't know if they'll actually get it done with that because there are some times where I think they're going to get it done. They never seem to. And quarterback. Yeah, sure. And quarterback. Right. Yeah, Garoppolo. I mean, Shanahan has did yeah, in the playoffs. I mean, it's been he's had a few disappointments in the big games, NFC Championship games. So we'll definitely see. But that defense is legit, even though it didn't look it yesterday. And I mean, you got CMC now. That trade was was huge for them. You got CMC, Debo, and Kittle. So once it comes to playoff time, those are three huge weapons that you're gonna. It's gonna be tough to stop all those guys on offense. Who do you think is the second best team in the NFC, though? Right, but like besides the Eagles, right now, who who do you think that is? It's tough. I don't think, I I don't mean, think anybody's proven themselves. And I, listen, I'm not like this Eagles certifier, so I really don't trust any of the teams in the NFC. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm probably I'd probably go Niners two, and then I put like Vikings three, like right behind them. Oh, that's that team. I don't trust. No way. You don't trust the. I, don't I mean, trust their defense. I don't trust their defense. I mean, they they were annihilated by the Eagles. Annihilated. They were. But who are you going to put ahead of them? I don't know. I just know that they're – I just have some doubts about them. Can I be yeah, honest no, with I you? Mean, Listen to this. If uh, the Packers were to win this week on the road in uh, Buffalo, 
would you put them back at the top because of the who they have? Like, if they, like, really commit to running the ball and they do a great job, like, what would it take for you to – for them and the Bucks to kind of get back into your good graces? I don't know, dude. I mean, a win at Buffalo would obviously be huge. I, I'd, I know. I'd have to – yeah, you'd have to give them some sort of recognition. But the way that their offense looked against the Jets and just the, the way they lost that game yesterday against the Commanders when they had the lead, it's just like they're just not much of a threat. No, they've been and horrible. They've been hard. They don't have the yeah. They don't have the weapons. You know, the Bucks at least have weapons. You have Evans and um, Godwin and Fournette. So it's like you have guys, but the Packers, there's there's really no weapons you have to worry about on offense. You know, besides the running backs, obviously. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be fun. We're we got the trade deadline coming up in about a week, um, so we'll see. Some teams got to make moves. Um, I'd like to see the Giants maybe go after a receiver that. He's under control for a couple more years, and you have to give only a late pickup for. I mean, there's not a lot of guys like that available. I think Claypool could be an interesting one, but um, we'll see. What, do you have any moves in mind that you want the Broncos to make? I know running backs definitely a position where you're gonna have to maybe pick someone up or something. Yeah, I wouldn't really make too many trades, honestly. I the only move I would be okay with is is if you know, a, a guy who's maybe on a possible way out, like a Judy or a, a Chubb. I mean, because Judy's going to be getting to that point where we're going to have to decide on the options. And honestly, he's a high pick. So uh, is he worth that money? I don't know. I, I think that's that's up for discussion. Uh, I, if he played like he did on Sunday, yes. But if he played like that some of the other weeks, I don't know. I, I really wouldn't trust him. Now, as for a guy like yeah. Bradley Chubb, like he was the number five overall pick. He's made the Pro Bowl a couple times. He's had some early sacks, and I think he's doing a good job, and I'd like to keep him. But the fact of the matter is we have other guys who can rush the passer, and we just signed Randy Gregory. So I'm really not 100% sure that we'd keep him. Now, if we could get, I think, maybe like a second or a third, I'd be okay with that. My hope is, though, if you trade a guy like Judy, listen, if Marquise Brown is getting first-round picks, why can't Jerry Judy get us a first-round pick? Yeah. No, I mean – somebody's, honestly... somebody's desperate enough, right? I mean, there are. I mean, there are teams who need receivers. The Ravens need a receiver. You said the Giants need a receiver. The Packers Definitely. need a receiver. I mean, there's plenty of teams who could use a receiver. The yeah, Patriots, no, I mean, the Patriots. They, they. You think they wouldn't want to add another receiver? Yeah, Judy's someone I would definitely want to target if I was a team that's making a push. Um, a first is definitely a little bit of a stretch, just because obviously firsts are so valuable. But he's he's a good enough player where I think you can get a, a decent haul for if you're looking to pick up trade or draft picks uh, for the future. So we'll see, uh, Jimmy. I had a great time doing this episode. I hope you enjoyed. hope all of our listeners enjoy. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been called a Comeback Podcast. Uh, Tom Spallone, and, and thank you, Jimmy, for filling in for Bob today. And everyone have thanks a good one. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me.